0: Welcome to episode five of the Descend podcast at Mountain View Community Church. We take the Sunday sermons and descend into the journey of our weeks to share the love of Christ with those around us. We pray this podcast is an encouragement to you and a reminder of the goodness of God throughout your week. I'm Hannah Carnific Communications Director here at Mountain View, and this week we are joined by Nick Sistola and Aaron LaDuke. Hi, howdy, howdy. Welcome. Thanks for joining us, Nick.
1: Yeah, glad to be here. So
0: fun. Yeah. Glad you're here. Okay. We always start with a fun question. Are you ready for the fun question? Which I feel like maybe you'll like this one, but I also, I feel like people will appreciate your response of this one. (laughs) None of the rest of his response. None of it, (laughs) it's just (laughs) this one. If you guys could only eat one meal for the rest of your life, what would you eat? Uh, Calories don't count. Doesn't matter. One meal.
1: That's easy. I would say charcuterie. I would prosciutto, cheese and other things okay. i would i would be happy love that. so yeah
0: just love a good cheese board
1: i i yeah and prosciutto specifically okay and so and i think i could eat that breakfast lunch dinner
0: and never get tired of it mm-hmm. would you put anything else on there like are you gonna put veggies and stuff or literally just like meat and cheese
1: well i think that's why i pick a charcuterie board so like if you had to like narrow it down okay. i think if it was meat and cheese i'd be content okay. i don't know if it'd be healthy but okay, okay. i but the nice thing about a charcuterie is there's an You have the opportunity to switch it up while keeping the thing static so it's like you're opening up i can have nuts and fruits and veggies and dips Mm -hmm. and other things on top of always guaranteed to have mozzarella and prosciutto so
0: (laughs) as long as it has those two things
1: how specific is this meal
0: (laughs) however specific you want to be because it's
1: like could i be like
2: uh sandwiches
0: Mm. no you got to be more specific than that
2: that's more. Spe- that feels more specific than a charcuterie board.
0: Well,
1: I'll make a very specific charcuterie board.
2: And that's the same thing you're gonna to have. To yeah, use. I'll. I'll okay. do, I'll do okay. that. Okay. So. Okay. Yeah, that's fair. Um, I don't like this question.
1: <laughs> <laughs> like I stared off in the window as you said that. Yeah. I, right? would,
2: I would probably choose something that is, um, pretty generic
0: like a sandwich
2: this is this is not a fun question this is a question of suffering for me
0: <laughs> how you get to think about your favorite food that's of not all time what you're asking
2: me you're asking me if day in day out i have to eat the same okay, thing for
0: say three you meals. won't get tired of it you just always enjoy it so basically your favorite food What's that's my the question favorite food?
2: yes oh well it might Aaron's be hot like, chicken might be breakfast burritos
0: you gotta pick one <laughs>
2: The, uh, there's a sandwich at Fiona's Deli in South Fort Collins called Andrew's It's Got Wang. <laughs> <laughs> what? Why? And it has uh, thick cut sourdough bread, barbecue chicken, bacon, herbed cream cheese. That okay. thing is mm-hmm. legit. Love that. Um, I think it'd be, I think it, currently it would be hot chicken. Yeah. I'm into hot chicken right now.
0: You yeah. have to say that.
2: Yeah. 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 yeah.
0: Love that! I was gonna
1: say, if you say anything besides hot chicken, I think you're lying.
0: Yeah, <laughs> we all. Especially you. if I calories
2: know. don't count. Yeah. yeah, that's my that's my yeah. big deal breaker here. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. How about you, Hannah? I
0: would choose something with French fries, a burger, probably. Burger and fries. I love French fries, mm-hmm. which feels like a basic white girl move, but hey, I'm, French I'm fries doing are great. It. They are. It's incredible. It is, Everybody loves all potatoes. I'm like,
1: potatoes, oil, and salt. Yeah, mm-hmm. be incredible. Can't be bad. Yep. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Especially if you have ranch.
0: Especially with ranch, or just ketchup. Yeah. Either ketchup. No. Not picky. Okay, glad that's out of the way for Aaron. Glad you don't have to talk about (laughs) eating all your foods for the rest of (laughs) (laughs) forever. It's great. Okay, Nick, you preached this week about peace redeemed. So can you Mm -hmm. give us a quick recap of the sermon?
1: Yeah. uh, So we talked about Rahab, who's one of the ancestors of Jesus, You know, one of the great-great-grandmothers of Jesus that Matthew highlights in his uh, genealogy. And I kind of made three points to Rahab's three buckets of observations from Rahab's story, and then kind of drew them to three kingdom principles that give us insight to the king and the nature of the kingdom of God. Um, And, you know, I think the reason why I set up that way is because I think this genealogy in Matthew, Matthew uses this genealogy to like highlight specific details and remind, you know, people of different stories that kind of set up almost of how Jesus brings the kingdom and the heart of the kingdom and so you see like a lot of big themes like the Gentiles being brought in that's a massive theme in the book of Matthew uh, you see this uh, it's the people that come humbly and the sinners specifically that come humbly opposed to the the people who seem religious and righteous on the outside and um, so massive themes of the book of Matthew that this genealogy highlights um, and uh, yeah, so the three observations about Rahab were really just a couple observations about her story, which specifically that she was a Canaanite prostitute, and she's also most likely named after a sea demon, you know, from the ancient Near East. Uh, so like not not a good background, you know, um, probably a lot of suffering, but for sure a lot of sin too. And, um, you know, the the second thing we highlight was just her like pretty beautiful moment of faith and explanation of. Why she did what she did in the story. And that's in verses 8 through 13 of Joshua 2, um, where she just kind of recounts Israel's history. She uh, calls Yahweh the God of heaven and earth, which is a pretty massive statement for an ancient Canaanite like that. Um, and then, you know, the third, uh, and then the second thing she does is she also just Goes to the spies and asks them to make a covenant so that she could be saved. You know she humbly approaches them and specifically Yahweh for mercy. Um, and then the last thing is uh, observ- Buck's observations were her piece, essentially that uh, she's she gets saved from the king, you know the the destruction of Jericho um, and she kind of gets this rehash of a Passover event, which is really beautiful and strange all at the same time. Uh, And then she's brought into the kingdom of Israel. So she has peace, you know, through this judgment. And she also has peace, um, by brought into a new people group. Um, and then kind of three, just the prince kingdom principles I brought out of that is that you can't underestimate the grace and patience of God, that God wants you to see him saving sinners and even people with seemingly hyperbolic stories, which this would have been a pretty intense story, especially to the ancient original reader. Um, and, uh, a Canaanite prostitute that's hard to top, <laughs> you know? And so, so that's God put that story in there. So we could actually realize how deep his grace and patience goes. Um, the second thing is that you enter the kingdom by humbly approaching God, that it's, it is, you guys got obviously gotta believe certain truths about God, you know? It does make sense that you would have faith in him if you didn't believe he exists, for instance. But it's not just believing that he exists. That's not saving faith in the Bible. It's actually coming and humbly relying on him or trusting him Um, and uh, entering a covenant, you know, uh, to use New Testament language. And then the third thing um, was what was it? Let me check. Faith brings peace with God. Faith brings peace with (laughs) God and others. Yeah, the most important point. (laughs) So, um, yeah, faith brings peace with God and others. And that you just see this, Rahab is saved from. The justice you know that god enacted against jericho um and but then she's also brought into a people and that is 100 percent a type of what salvation in christ is is that we're saved from the wrath of god in jesus and we're brought into relationship with him and we're also brought into a relationship with other people that we have peace with god and peace with others uh which is what jesus came to bring so uh yeah
0: it's good good reminders especially in season of advent. So, um, as you were prepping or Aaron, as you were listening, what did it do for you guys this week? Anything, any points that were brought up that you were like, man, I've never thought about this before. This is really cool. Or things you have thought about that you just needed a reminder of.
2: Yeah. I love, I love the idea of your first point. I mean, you, you, Nikki did an awesome job. It was, it was cool to see you using your gifts and, um, and stuff there, you know, the, uh, the first point, though, like, you can't underestimate the grace and patience of God. Mm. I think for me it was something that, um, especially when I'm, like, in the middle of, you know, challenges in my heart. I've, I've been, you know, in sin and needing to seek God's grace and forgiveness from another person or something like that. <clears throat> I can be so quick to, to just assume that at times, like, oh, this is even on little things like mm. god's god you know this is this is a bridge too far mm-hmm. for him mm-hmm. and just that reminder of the depths of his mercy and kindness towards us mm. as his as his children is is huge for me and i mean that's one of the reasons i go to church every sunday is mm-hmm. cuz <laughs> that that reminder is so needed for me and i think for all of us that was that was a big one for me that really stood out yeah
1: yeah, yeah i you know i think and some to some degree this has been something that's been hit me for about two years but it really hit me hard this week of you know because i've been in hebrews for a while and i think hebrews has a lot of similar themes and make similar points um just my personal study and but spe- the point specifically that it's god both has grace on us but he also has like gone to the nines to communicate you know through the bible through many you know a bunch of different things but and specifically in scripture, to like communicate that grace to us to help us bridge the gap between our head and our hearts, yeah. You know, that like that you see, just like the idea that you see Rahab and God put Rahab's story in there specifically so that we would know how big his grace is, and you experience all the ups and downs of it just so like you can have a taste of that reality and and know that grace for you. Yeah. And, um, yeah, and I don't know, that just that just kind of struck me that like God did a lot of things to communicate how, that that point of how deep his grace and patience is. Yeah. And it's not just that we have it, but he also, he's given us so many means to know it yeah, and internalize it and taste it and feel it. Uh, and not even speaking supernaturally, just even like, uh, obviously he does that supernaturally too, but um, I don't know, it just, it just, to me, that just kind of struck me about the heart of God.
2: There's like real, Real examples, yeah, that we see in scripture and in our own lives that, mm-hmm. that show His grace to us, exactly. So it's not just a, a an intangible feeling, yeah, exactly. It's it's experiential. It's it's witnessed in other yep. words, yeah. yeah,
1: yeah. Well, and just the beauty of it's actually happened, you know. So these are history. So like these are real things, but they're also they're also intentioned that God told these stories in a certain way and put them in His Word in a certain way, so we would know that too. Yeah. So which is I don't know, beautiful. So
0: I think that's been the biggest thing for me, even the last two weeks. And I know the next two weeks will be the exact same. Like, these are pretty crazy stories and mm-hmm. really hard stories. And you were tra- yeah. like, you were talking about before, like people who you don't expect the Lord to use or like the worst of the worst, it seems like. Um, and yet they're in the lineage of Jesus and there's a reason for it. And I don't know. I just think that's been one of the most. uh maybe not like mind-blowing things but I'm like dang that is such a cool thing that the Lord chooses to do and, and encouraging thing. so yeah. I don't know just revisiting those stories that seem really hard and really complicated and yet God's grace and mercy is bigger and he chooses to use those kind of people to show them show us that and then it's the same in our lives too so yeah yeah really cool I love that. Um, you mentioned in your recap about the link between the story of Rahab and the Passover. Let's talk about that, dive deeper into it with, for us.
1: Yeah, for sure. You know, I, I think something that's interesting that the Bible does all the time is it uh, like requotes certain stories and certain things happen again because I think God planned mm-hmm. to communicate certain things in his sovereignty. Um, but also like the biblical writers, like specifically highlight those details and they want you to think of certain stories. Like this happens all throughout the old Testament. Um, and, uh, which is one of the reasons why I'm glad the women's ministry is going through the Torah because, because mm-hmm. so much of the old Testament is actually just rehashing the Torah from different angles. Yeah. And, uh, and so in different covenants and a bunch of different stuff. And, and one of these moments is, you know, when you see with Rahab, some of this, there's a lot of similarities between what happens to her and the Passover that, You know, in the Passover, God sent the angel of death as the final plague, you know, against the Egyptians. And all the people of Israel saved because they essentially splashed some blood on their windowsill, right? And Which has this symbolic um, of, like, something died, right? And so, like, the death has already been paid, and so they pass over the house. And you see in Rahab's stories, you see this hanging a red, (laughs) you know, something red in her window, essentially, you know? um that also showed her actually that was a reminder and had some parallels to her saving the spies you know um and saving their life um and uh and then we see the judgment of god passes over her household uh, and she's free Mm -hmm. and so there's those similarities which are just really which are like oh yeah there's it seems like the writers and i mean god wants you to see the parallels there but What's really surprising is the differences. Is it's like, yeah, you kind of get it, like the people of Israel being saved from Egyptian slavery. Like, yeah, it makes sense that they were passed over. What's strange is that this is a Canaanite prostitute named after a sin demon, you know? And which just kind of has this pretty big implication on like what's God's heart towards humanity, you know? Like it's, it's, it's not like a God's heart isn't just that Israel be saved, but it's all tribes, tongue, and nations that we see pretty clearly unpacked in the New Testament, and it's not just for the pious, or the religious, or the good. It's actually for anyone who's willing to come humbly to God, yeah. and and so, so I don't know that Passover, that Passover parallel is like, it's it's, it, you know, it's it's repetitive in one way, but it's also striking because there's just key differences that kind of give insight to the heart of God. Um, And the Bible does that a lot, um, actually. Um, Isaiah 25 is another good example of that, where it's like you think it's like just rearing up for God's justice against the Gentiles. And, you know, whenever Isaiah was written, I think 800s, 700s B.C., whatever. Um, And then he just does this complete 180. By the end of the book, he's like, all tribes, tongues, and nations will come and bow and be (laughs) restored. And, you know, it's just uh, there's just a beauty of God's heart there that, I I just find it striking, Uh, and then also just it's a cool type of Christ too, Mm -hmm. you know. um, You know, when Jesus does the Last Supper, that's Passover, and so you know, I I think pretty clearly um, when Jesus breaks the bread and does the wine, is he's like, hey, when you think of Passover, you you think of when God saved you from slavery in Egypt, and he's essentially like, I don't want we're now going to break bread and wine in the new covenant, but I don't want you to think of Egypt. I want you to think of me, yeah, and and not slavery from Egyptians in a temporal sense, but the slavery from your sin that I saved you from. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, you know, and me as a Gentile gets to partake in that every single week. And so, cause God's heart was fully brought forward in that, um, in a very beautiful way. So I don't know, I think you kind of see this Passover reflection looking back towards the Exodus, but you also see this foretaste in a type of Christ, mm-hmm. you know, um, just by connection through the Passover in that of, you know, we're passed over because we got Christ hanging in our window, you know, um, to be a little on the nose. But yeah,
0: I think for me, having those connections is like one of the things that stirs my faith the most. Because I, I'm the kind yeah. of reader that I'm like, oh yeah, the story of Rahab, and done. You know, I like don't typically think how does this relate to the Passover? How does it relate to Isaiah? And so hearing, because I feel like Aaron, you do a good job of that too. Of, Here's the connection in different parts of the Bible, and I feel like that's always a a really uh, cool thing for me to be like, the Lord is so cool, you know, like yeah. just such a, a the connection between all the different parts is always a really encouraging. Especially thing
2: considering for me. the nature of the Bible itself, yeah. yeah, where it's like, look, this is composed over 1,500 years mm-hmm. with 60 authors and right. four different languages or yeah. whatever. And why
0: does it all connect?
2: Like how uh-huh. how could that be? Yeah. Um, yeah, and to see God's kind of sovereign hand in Giving us the scriptures yeah. and, and more than that, not just like the incredible nature of like the composition of the Bible, but the the aim of the Bible is His plan of redemption, yeah. Yeah. Um, through the true Passover Lamb, you know, yeah. um, which is yeah, it's it's unbelievable.
1: Yeah. Well, at that point, it's funny. I you know I, I went through I had a big season working through Matthew earlier in my life. It's probably end of college, you know, for about four or five years, and. Um, it was God met me in a massive season of doubt um in that. And one of the I think one of the most compelling parts of it was seeing a lot of confusing things in the book of Matthew and just seeing his the beauty and connection pieces of his redemption. Have mm-hmm. I mean, you just see the beauty of this art that traces thousands of years, yeah. you know. Um, I mean multiple directions. And and there's just something just just existentially compelling and settling about when you see the beauty of God and his storytelling. in in the scriptures that it's it's hard to put into words and god used that to settle a lot of things is one of the many pieces he used to settle a lot of things in that season but um but yeah i found um there's something about the existential beauty of god's word even that is settling to the soul in a kind of strange way in a beautiful way so yeah yeah, but
0: you have anything to add about passover link
2: yeah, I mean, I like what you said about the the pattern being broken in a sense, or yeah. or the pattern being added to. I use the the idea sometimes when I'm uh, in in the gospel story class when we're talking about these ideas. Like, um, when, if you if you have a song like a songwriter, they've got a clear structure often in their verses, and you know that that songwriter if they're if they're good at their craft one of the things that a songwriter will often do is they'll have a solid structure and they'll set you up to understand that structure and then they'll break it yeah. mm-hmm. and that break is an indication that the songwriter is saying pay attention to what i'm yeah. doing in okay. this line you know because i've changed the way that it rhymes or i've changed the length of the syllables or whatever yeah. the same thing here where where we have like a, an established pattern uh, and then god adds yeah. to it mm-hmm. by bringing in a gentile so it's not just for the israelites like this promise the ultimate passover is going to be for every tribe tongue and nation that's a pretty cool thing to notice as you see those patterns in the scriptures yeah
1: yeah Yeah. i like that the slavery doesn't he doesn't undo the slavery that goes back to exodus 4 or whatever, wherever the passover is it it goes back to genesis 3 yeah you know Mm -hmm. it's like it ties deeper right The ancient magic, to quote. The deeper magic. Yeah, the deeper thing, the deeper magic. Yeah. Stone table is
2: broken. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Mm.
0: Okay, Nick, you mentioned that um, in the sermon at one point, you mentioned that a lot of times we're able to look at our lives and see how the gospel will cover some of our sins, Mm -hmm. but there's always a 5%, maybe not always, there's a 5% maybe that he won't touch. Um, So how do we recognize those areas and and like learn to truly believe that God has covered all of them and kind of get rid of the the guilt piece of that.
1: Yeah. yeah and you know I I think part of the reason why I even brought that up is be, besides the fact that the text talks about that theme and I think that's stated or that's clearly in the text. Um, is I, I think there's just so much of our lives that we just it feels like the gospel hits and we taste forgiveness and work through it. But there's just like certain things that for whatever reason, we just believe it's the grace of God doesn't touch. I don't think this is a new issue. Mm-hmm. I think this has been in some ways a human struggle in some ways, you know, I think even Christian struggle and, and I, you know, to your first question of like, how do we identify it? I, I think we know it yeah. <laughs> i don't think we have to you know yeah. like it's
0: there somewhere
1: while we ignore it mm-hmm. i think there's a lot of i think there's times where there's some like pretty deep-seated stuff and you know sometimes i in my experience and you know after meeting with a lot of people i find usually the hardest things in our lives tie it's usually some combination of sin and suffering mm-hmm. you know like some that's not all but some of the deepest seated stuff is it's is it's brokenness um, from a lot of different angles and it's usually pretty complex kind of like tamar you know like mm-hmm. <laughs> you know like how you know her pro- this is that's probably the darkest part of her story but there's uh of what we see in genesis 38 yeah. would be my guess yeah. mm-hmm. you know and uh you never know but but that is a weird mix of like extreme brokenness and extreme suffering mm-hmm. you yeah. know and and i've just found that uh so like sometimes they're not completely aware of it and sometimes we it's in our face and it's all we think about and yeah. sometimes we do a lot of crazy things to ignore it. Mm-hmm. And um so I you know I, I think we're aware of it. I think we have moral sense and I I've, I find most people are aware of it, even though there's times where we ignore it and do a lot of things to justify a lot of stuff. Um I think though, the ways that to your second question was how do you work through it? Mm-hmm. Is that your, mm-hmm. Yeah. Um I think one is there's a level of belief and not just belief but also tasting that experiential belief you know of like being convinced that this actually the grace of God actually does meet this mm-hmm. and you know I think it's funny like I think some of the biggest moments of God meeting me in those kind of moments were in church services uh and I remember I was used to be a leader in a junior high youth group uh, when I was in high school and I was rushing, rushing through some big stuff hardening my heart like on a bunch of different stuff and I remember we singing this really dumb song. Um, and I don't remember it was, you know, when there's like junior high, everyone's jumping, you know. And it was like at a park, it was kind of like a weird environment, you know. It wasn't like and uh and it was I'm a fire, I'm a flood, I'm a revolution, I am a war already won. Oh, and it just broke broke me. <laughs> and it made like three phone calls and like, you know, it was just it was just there's something about it, the spirit of God and his grace and honestly singing just like put this like, I have the grace of God on this and God, I just want to be wherever you're at, yeah. you know? And it just it just tasted it, and that's actually led to repentance on the things that I knew I needed to do. Um, and just kind of, I don't know. So, like, I'd say how you work through it is obviously identifying it, um, but also, like, does the grace of God really cover this, yes or no, objectively? Yeah. And God's given you a lot of means to remind you of that, to prove that to you. Because um, I find that you're not going to work through it unless you're actually convinced of that, and uh, and then I think God calls us clearly to repent. Um, you know, I think there's this whole discourse I could talk for a long time, which I won't because this is a <laughs> podcast on worldly guilt, godly guilt, and uh, you know, I and I even have a guilt flow chart to distinguish the two and some other things that I use. Um, but like God doesn't want our atonement because we can't pay for that five percent. We couldn't even want to, you know, because mm-hmm. we tend to either try to pay for it with good works or judging other people. So we just distract ourselves from it mm-hmm. or we just try to cover it up like crazy. And and it eats away at us in sometimes some massive ways. Mm-hmm. Um, and and God doesn't want our atonement. He wants a repentance and not repentance to make something right, but repentance to grow and change because God yeah. wants us to grow, because he wants us to partake in life and moral beauty and goodness um, but he also wants to save other people because a lot of these sins usually affect other people, mm-hmm. and so, so I don't know. I so repentance. You know, to quote Second Corinthians seven, that God wants repentance leads to salvation without regret. So he wants our heart and behavior change and trajectory change. But he doesn't want our trying to make it right. Yeah. And anytime you try to make it right, it always leads to death. It does not lead to sanctification. It reminds me of um, Colossians where it, Paul's like rebuking. A lot of people for asceticism and making all these crazy restrictions to on diet and and all this stuff and which i find is a big tendency that people do in in response to guilt Mm -hmm. you know we just add all these massive control things ironically have nothing to do with where god actually wants to bring repentance in our life and he says it does nothing to do it has no value in curbing the flesh Mm -hmm. (laughs) and uh and i just so i you know i just find it's just Tasting the grace of God, and if the Spirit tells you to do something, do it. <laughs> don't try to tone. Taste the grace of God. Believe it. And if the Spirit tells you to do something, do it, even if you don't understand it. Yeah. And if you're doing these two things, you're doing pretty good. So, and yeah. Right. Any thoughts on that?
2: Yeah, it's uh, that you're, this is all tied up to your second point in the sermon yeah. in my mind where, you know, and, and even as you were talking, I was thinking, uh, I might— I might tweak your second point. You know, you said I wrote it down entrance to the kingdom is through a humble approach to God. Mm. Um and it's more it's more than that because our humble approach to God is not just our entrance in but it's like an ongoing yeah. humility before God. Yeah. Yeah. I mean Christians myself included can be the worst legalists. Yeah. And we we come into the life of following Christ in humility before God and then we start to think that we yeah. have to maintain it mm-hmm. uh, and that's that can be so detrimental and it yeah it does no good it's it it's not no possible yeah. I mean I, I can be prone to just to to works righteousness even though I know the gospel even though I know that it's a, it's a free gift yeah. um, I'm just so quick so so it seems like the remedy is I mean as simple as it is like remembering the gospel and humbling myself before no christ and and repenting yeah. yeah
1: yeah well i think it's funny you know if i was going to find legalism it'd either be saying you're saved by works or adding works that god never commanded mm-hmm. right or adding things like you know don't if i said don't touch tables <laughs> you know touching tables is evil right that would be legalism because god never said anything about that you mm-hmm. know even though that's a trivial example and i think there's something about you know when we see guilt not actually being paid for in full we're believing in some level of a works righteousness yeah. you know and and i think something that we do is with a sleight of hand is we sometimes if we add rules on top of rules that god never commanded you know obviously if it's not sin it's not legalism to say it's to love your neighbor <laughs> right you know um but uh but when we add things on top of that it just can give us a self sense of righteousness that has nothing to do with the spirit of god or his word that yeah that can just turn into a, yeah, that can just be this sleight of hand distraction to our souls. That doesn't work. It works. So, but anyways.
0: I think that's why, one of the reasons why I love Advent so much because Mm -hmm. I think it forces us to stop and slow down and think about those things. Like if I am truly on a daily basis reflecting on the Lord and Scripture and I think those things come up, more often whenever I'm still and I rest and I, I mean I try to do that kind of stuff on a regular basis but I feel like Advent is a month set apart for that which I just love and I think it's yeah. so good so how do we I feel like peace is shown in Rahab at the mm-hmm. end she's got peace with God peace with others like you explained so how do we um reflect on peace in the next couple of weeks leading mm-hmm. up to the birth of Jesus. What does that look like? Are there ways that you guys are doing that peace in general? What do you guys think about it?
2: <laughs> I love that image that you you gave Nick of like, in a sense you um, helped us to see like the war outside and the peace that can be found kind of in the safety of Christ, you know, Christ, I think you said Christ is the room, you know, Christ mm-hmm. is yep. Rahab's house in a sense where, um, <clears throat> You know, we, we walk across that threshold and it can feel like devastation and destruction and, you know, in, in our day and age, maybe not, you know, not a war at our doorstep, but consumerism and a fight for our attention and mm-hmm. consumption and um, relational strife.
1: Yeah.
2: And so, yeah, remembering the ways that, C- that Christ offers us that peace and, and stepping into that, you know, I don't know if there's... I don't know if I have any actual habits. I mean, I've been waking up earlier. That's been one of my things now, is just in my life right now to find that quiet and to get time uh, in the Lord. I just started setting my alarm earlier and, and getting up earlier. So I wake up, get my coffee, turn on the tree, <laughs> open the Bible, yeah. you know. Um yeah, that, that'd be a, that'd be part of it for me is is just a reminder that there actually is peace in Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, and that that can persevere even in the, the frantic season that we're in yeah. at times. We can walk in peace mm-hmm. even in our day-to-day lives.
1: Yeah. 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 I don't know. I, I'd say for me, there's something that always kicks in sometime around this. I think it's probably just the psychological pattern of being in school for a long time that you like, get past the finals week, <laughs> the stress. And then I know for me, I always had like two weeks off, you know, when you're in college or grad school or, you know, like, and for me, there's just something about going to a coffee shop and I'm, I'm a very stereotypical millennial here, you know, <laughs> going to a coffee shop looking out the window when it's like kind of gray outside and may, may or may not be snowing and just like slowing down and contemplating some of these, you know, themes that we've talked about, you know, um, and having like just a long time with the lord to actually slow down and think mm-hmm. cuz i feel like we don't do that and for me in advent it's always been a good time for that um to just slow down and think um after the crazy busy sprints of whatever you know um and then um so go have a time with the lord talking i like coffee shops so mm-hmm. <laughs> smiles yeah, yeah. But I also say Christmas. I like I don't know church. I remember I didn't grow up in the church, but I remember the first time I we went to an Advent service as a Christian, and it wasn't until like five, six years after becoming a Christian mm-hmm. that that happened. And I just remember there. And not to obviously well work for a church, so it always feels like a weird plug. <laughs> but no, I, I believe should, it. Yeah, people way, <laughs> should go to church. The Bible says yeah. that. Yes. Yeah, so yeah. I got got behind me on that one, but yeah. but I just but there's just like prepare your hearts and not that churches have something special, but God uses the people. And there's just something about corporately remembering and corporately tasting that. And I don't know, t- I don't know, singing. And there's just something special about that. I think in advent. And so, and I find you tend to notice it more if you expect it mm-hmm. and, and ask God to, to meet you in it. And so, and I've been to some weird avid services and God still spirit still slaps. Often, so uh, <laughs> how, about, how about you, Hannah? Like, he's a Gen Z. <laughs> are, there, I love
2: it. are there are there ways you're pursuing and finding peace right now?
0: I think that peace is one of my favorite Advent things. M- maybe my favorite. I'll be so bold to say is my mm-hmm. favorite because I think hope, love, and joy. I'm like, yeah, I know the Lord brings those. Jesus brings those, and that's what I can expect. But I feel like, especially in the season of Christmas, I'm a very to-do list minded person and so my brain gets really foggy with all of the things that I need to get done and I need to decorate the house and I need to make sure food's there and I need to make sure all of these things are are finished before family arrives you know and that feels very not peaceful to me and so having the reminder especially this week of here's what peace in the Lord looks like and that kind of makes the other to-do list things not as important um so I just think it's always it's always one of my favorite weeks because I'm like, how do I put this into perspective and how do I remember in my day to day life that Jesus is my peace and I don't need to be frazzled with all the other things that are going on. So that's not really a uh, here's what I'm reflecting on, but I just think it's one of my my favorite weeks mm-hmm. to sit down and, and rest in, you know, because peace is such a I don't know. I I equate peace and rest as the same. And I can just slow down and breathe a little bit. And I think that's reminding myself that the Lord brings true rest and true peace is just always good for for myself. So
2: I think of like um, Mary and Martha, and you know, the Mm -hmm. the idea that like the stuff that Martha was busying herself with, Jesus goes, I didn't give you those things. Yep, for sure. That's Mm -hmm. not from me. And so that might be a good thing for, for. us to consider this season where you go, uh, like, look at your life, Mm -hmm. make an honest assessment and you go, which of these things are of the Lord, which of these things bring honor to God Mm -hmm. and which of these things are, feel like, you know, cultural obligations or whatever. And, and what can I say no to in, 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 out of reverence for Christ? Mm -hmm. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: And what's taking up time that I could be doing other things Mm -hmm. that Mm -hmm. are. Full of Christ.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Am I rightly prioritizing God version? In other words, yeah. Yeah. Mm
0: -hmm. I think that's been I there's been so many Christmas seasons that I look back and I'm like, I was literally Martha for the last four weeks and (laughs) I didn't do anything that really felt like it was uh I mean, those things can be of the Lord, but like nothing that felt true and like genuine faith in the Lord or, yeah. or loving people well or whatever. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that's a good reminder. Yeah. So. Yeah. Anything good else work. you guys would add from the sermon or Advent or thoughts that you have in general? Mm.
1: Mm. I I think the only thing I would say, just a reminder to so anyone's listening is listening to the sermons of, like, I think the climax of this genealogy is the description that the angel gives to Joseph about who Jesus is. Mm. And so, so just... Here's the, the one that's gonna come save the world from their sins, and it's gonna be called Emmanuel God with us. Yeah. So that's why all these leaders are mentioned, and uh, so I just talking. remember that. And that's why we're yeah. talking about it. Yeah. So it's good. So
0: anything from you? No. No. Okay. Thank you both for being here. We did it. Thanks, again. Yeah. Thanks, Nick. Thank, so yeah.
1: so
0: Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the Descend Podcast. Check back next week as we talk about love redeemed and the story of Bathsheba. Have a great week.